0: made on zencaster all right adam thank you so much for joining us on the podcast before we get into the meat and potatoes of the episode please just let our listeners know who you are and what your zone of genius is
1: yeah so first of all i appreciate the time on your show and i know we're going to have an awesome conversation here um my who i am at the core i'm a family man Uh, I'm a father of three kids who are amazing, all smart and talented and kind in their own way. Um, I've been married for 22 years and for the last almost 17 years, I've been teaching money management to high school, college students, and now lots and lots of professionals whom I'm helping to shred their debt, help them get out of debt and be financially free.
0: Awesome. Um, So I was really excited to have you on because financial literacy is so vitally important, as we know, but especially coming from an African-American, right? We just suck at finances. (laughs) (laughs) uh, You know, it's just the reality of it for whatever reason. And obviously I'm generalizing. Right. But for whatever reason, our parents, this is not a conversation that we have. Right. So me growing up, my mom, I was raised by my mom. My, yep. my dad was there, but he was more so an alcoholic than anything else. Right. Yep. So my mom was a single mother raising three children on her own. She was an entrepreneur. Yeah. She never charged her worth. Right. Um, And we did not struggle. I was raised right. in a suburb. She busted her ass. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. But we never had a conversation about money, credit, financial literacy mm. in any way. So when I became an adult, <laughs> it was all bad. Yeah. It was all bad. Um, my mom kicked. Well, first of all, I was a teen mom at 15. Yep. And then at 17 with a two year old, my mom put us out of the house. Oh, wow though we were homeless. And uh, so that's just kind of how my life, my adult life began. I was broke, I didn't have a job, I couldn't have a job because I didn't have a babysitter. Right. And so I just really feel like if my mom had set me up, then maybe I would have had money already or some investments. Thankfully, my mom wasn't that mother who ruined my credit before I became an adult, because that's a thing as well. There's
1: plenty of those stories for sure.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. So um, that's why I really wanted to have this conversation because the ma- yeah. majority of my audience is Black. Yep. And um, we have a lot of, you know, 40, 30 somethings, 40 somethings cool. still trying to figure this thing out. And then we have 2023 coming. And you know, the number one resolution is to lose weight. And then right out of after that, it is get out of
1: debt, debt. right? Absolutely.
0: So what, what, first of all, before we get into that, how did you even get into this space? I kind of like you, I,
1: um, when I was young, I had made a bunch of money mistakes early on in my life. And I met, uh, I was in, in college and I was. I would, I was what I would consider a rich college kid because I was living on borrowed money. Mm -hmm. So I was using student loans and credit cards and, um, you know, I borrowed way more than I needed to for a car and things like that. And I was just kind of a debt disaster. And then I uh, met a woman my senior year in college and she said, get rid of your debt or I'm going to get rid of you, which you want to talk about a hard conversation to have with, with somebody you love your honey, you know, um, And then I started realizing, oh my gosh, this, the way that I was brought up, which was kind of like this mentality of we'll figure it out. We'll take Mm -hmm. care of it. It's fine. Just go get it. We'll take care of it. We'll figure it out. It was problematic for me in my twenties because in my teens and twenties, because I was just buying stuff and using borrowed money to pay for it. And, and I think honestly, Tidra, I think this is where a lot of people find themselves is they they realize, oh, I like having stuff, and I want to buy stuff. And there's a lot of people out there who will help you buy stuff using their debt and uh, or their credit. And then you'll wake up one day and you're like, oh crap, i can't I can't afford the life that I've built for myself. What do I do now? Mm-hmm. And so to to your story, what I would say is some of the people out there, I think, need to really investigate what was the message they heard growing up. And what I heard in your story, Was if your mom never charged her worth, you know, deep down, was she even, uh, was she not sure of the value that she brought, right? Never put a price on what she was truly worth in the market. Mm -hmm. And then you end up living on less because you're not charging what you're truly worth for fear that someone won't pay it. Or if I ask for it, then I won't have any business or what have you. And it's why I think your show is so important because we're trying to teach people ask for what you're worth, manifest what you want in life, and decide that things are going to be different and then make them different?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, my mom was a designer. So okay. she could literally sew anything in her wheelhouse were wedding dresses for brides. Oh, interesting. And so you would have this bride come with this picture of this 10 $15,000 dress, and she'll charge two thousand dollars wow For it and that included the fabric and she would spend hours on this one dress and she hand sewed beads on and sequences on and by the time she um bought the material and all of the things that she needed spent all of the hours like she I I was like friend you in debt (laughs) like you're in the negative you didn't really make anything and that really helped to form my money story yeah and it it helped to form my relationship with money and i'm almost 43 i'll be 43 in a month and i started charging i started my business in 2020 yeah before that i wasn't charging anything i was uh-huh. just working with people for free but right. then the bills were like hello <laughs> Yeah, we I need to get, get paid, paid too. Right, <laughs> we still have to get paid. And so, you know, I'm the person who wants to help everybody and I want yeah. everybody to win and I blah, blah, blah. Totally and then I started undercharging. Mm. So I would spend so much time on classes and courses that I'm charging under $100 for. Oh man. Just for the mere fact that I want everybody to be able to partake. But what I learned yeah, is that people didn't value it right because they didn't pay it didn't sting right yeah. there was there was really no real investment yep that they wouldn't even open up the class or the course for yep. weeks and i reach out and say how how is the course going how are you loving oh i haven't even had a chance and they come over with all these excuses right and so i'm like well damn you know i mean yeah, yeah i have your 77 dollars, but in the grand scheme of things like i Put in so much work and so much time, and so I recently came to that conclusion. I was like, "Shit, I'm doing the same thing my mama did."
1: Oh, dang! Yeah, yeah. that's an astute observation, right? And and yeah. uh, and I think the the interesting thing is, would your mom's clients would they have paid four or five thousand dollars for the same dress? They would have. Where she would have made money, and yeah. it's probably a collector's item today. Yeah, you know these hand sewn. So for your course, the more you charge, I mean, this, this is, this is probably a good message for some of your listeners that what you charge other people to do what you do for a living is not, it's not a reflection of what they're willing to pay. It's a reflection of what you believe the value of that to be. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And that sucks because I know it's incredibly valuable, right? Yeah. Um, but again, it goes back to me in my mind, wanting to help everybody and wanting people to be able to afford it, but guess what? even though the, what I have found is people will pay more because we, then we have to talk about perceived value.
1: yeah,
0: right And I'm the same way. If yeah. you tell me that you have a class that's 20 dollars, I am not buying it
1: <laughs> right
0: because that is going to waste my time and piss me off in my yeah. mind. right totally. Totally. It may be all the gyms in the world. And everything that I need to do to get my financial portfolio together. But because you're only charging $20, I'm like, you don't even believe in that. Yeah. Right. So then I had to switch, you know, shift. And I'm like, damn, would I have invested in a $77 court? No, because I don't believe there's any value there. Come on. So I had to learn that. And now that I'm shifting or raising my price, guess what? People still pay.
1: Yeah. And guess what else? They're you they're going through your course probably. Yeah. Because it stings. I mean, if you spend good money on a course, you're probably gonna go through it versus 20 or even (laughs) a hundred bucks, or some people like, yeah, I forgot all about that. Exactly. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's the thing. And so um, you know, me being in this manifestation space for so long and mindset space, I still have, you know, I still have my things that I have to work through as well and learn as well on my journey but that was like yeah. the the biggest most recent epiphany that I had and yeah. so because of that I'm shifting my whole business model Love it. we're we throwing the whole thing in the trash and we're starting all over again I love it because um you know everything that I teach is incredibly valuable
1: mm.
0: right and everybody's gonna know it
1: <laughs> yes
0: And then it also helps me to weed out people who are excuse makers, who aren't going to do anything with it anyway. Frankly, I just don't want to work with that person. Yep. You know, so what is what would be the biggest thing or or the thing that you see the most in in your space with working with people? Like, what is the biggest struggle?
1: Well, I think We've touched on a little bit of it, which is your, early, your early money memory, the stories that you've told yourself or that you were told as a kid, they carry forward with us into our, into our adulthood. And mm-hmm. it becomes sort of the script that we run, you know, well into adulthood. So I'll give you a good example. My, my wife grew up in a household where they never bought stuff unless it was on sale and they had a coupon, right? I was called it the coupon castle. And, um, because it was just, they, they were extremely frugal because they had to be, you know, mom and dad didn't have a lot of, didn't make a lot of money, uh, when that, when the kids were young. And so whatever they bought, they always bought on sale with a coupon. And to this day, you know, we don't, we don't necessarily need to, to do that any longer. Thank God. Um, but my wife still thrills at finding a good deal and she wants to find coupons and she wants to use coupons. And she's, I mean, I remember even a couple of years ago, she would spend Sundays clipping coupons to go to the grocery store. And I was like, do you, do you enjoy it? If you enjoy it, that's one thing. But if you think you have to do that, you really don't. It's just this well ingrained, um, you know, this is what's valuable is doing this. Um, so that's, that's one thing is our old scripts keep coming back. The second thing Tidra, I think that, that I see more often than not is we as consumers we believe that debt is normal, natural, and good. Everybody's got it. It's a it's a way of American life. Um, you know, we never question it, never challenge the idea behind debt. And and then I I start going into the numbers with people, and I'll say, so do you know that ten thousand dollars at in credit card debt at twenty percent interest will cost you two thousand dollars a year? That's one hundred eighty three dollars a month that you're just lighting on fire and sending away, right? you would have to have $25,000 in investments, making 8% to make that much money. So two and a half times what you have in debt is what it requires in assets to make the same kind of interest that you're spending on your debt as you would making it on the other side. And so in essence, we are the, the bank's compound interest vehicle. When, when yeah. we loan money, borrow money from them, They make scads of money on us and we have to realize that we can flip that script fairly easily, but it requires to think differently.
0: Yeah. So here in our house, we, the only debt that we have, I'm sitting in is our home Yeah. and um, we have six cars. They're all paid for. Yeah. Um, and the only time we use credit cards is to pay our bills, but then we immediately pay the card off. So we play, we play that credit card game so that we never have to, to pay interest. Yeah. So talk to us about the, what do you call it? The debt shred, how to shred shred, your debt. The shred method. Yeah. Talk to us about that.
1: Yeah. So this, I've been using this candidly for about 12 years. And once you understand the shred method, it's hard to ever go back to the way that people manage their money before, The way, certainly the way we did. Um, because we, we would use our credit cards from time to time. We were mostly a debit card family. We'd spend what we had in the checking account. It would dwindle down to close to zero. We'd get paid on a Friday. We'd get all excited, go out to eat. Then mm-hmm. over the next two weeks, it would dwindle again. And when you learn the shred method, what it does is it teaches you how to create income efficiency, how to make your income as efficient as humanly possible in your system. And so the way that the system works is we have a line of credit, which in our case is a home equity line of credit. And that functions just like a checking account in the sense that it's a two-way street. Money comes in and money comes out. Money comes in, money comes out. And we do just like you do. Um, all of our bills go on a credit card every single month. That's dining, uh you know groceries gas uh any kind of clothing for the kids athletic events all that stuff goes on credit cards and at the end of the month we literally just strike a check out of the home equity line of credit and pay off that credit card and then every two weeks or every month depending on how we're paid money just gets deposited into the home equity line of credit bringing the balance of the home equity line of credit down over the month and if there's any room left on the home equity line of credit, the shred method is powered by a software that teaches you how much of that should you send to your mortgage to begin knocking down your mortgage in record time. And, you know, I don't say this to boast or brag or be a big shot, but we've paid off our home twice in the last eight years and we've done it using the shred method and we've taught dozens of other people how to do it. There are hundreds of users in our system uh, but dozens of people have paid off their mortgage in record time using this. And the rest are all on their way to knocking out you know, all of their debts, mortgage included, in certainly under a decade and most of the
0: time in under seven years. Okay, so when you talk about a home equity line of credit, are you talking yep. about an actual loan that you've gotten from the bank? It is. It is technically
1: a loan, although it's written as a line of credit. So the difference between the two is a home equity loan is what's called a closed-end loan. So if you borrowed $10,000 from the bank to put shingles on your house, that would be a closed-end loan. A home equity line of credit is more of an open-ended loan where you have the access to 10 grand, but maybe we're only using 1,000 at a time or 5,000 at a time. And then as soon as your income goes in, it brings that balance down over that two-week or three-week or four-week period. And the amount of interest you end up paying on it is relatively negligible because you've got a small amount of money borrowed. You've got, it could be right now, it's probably a seven and a half or 8% interest rate, but it's only going to be for a couple of weeks is Mm -hmm. all you're going to borrow it, uh, you know, from the line of credit. So it ends up being, you know, dollars, maybe maybe $10 or $15 at the most in a month. But what you're saving on the back end when you're blasting away your mortgage is tens and in some cases, hundreds of thousands of dollars in interest on a mortgage.
0: Okay. So help my brain. And I, I'm pretty sure my listeners are like, well, wait, okay. Yeah, yeah, So the benefit from using that line versus your income, explain mm-hmm. to, to us how that, where that comes from.
1: Yep. So here's the benefit. Uh, And I'm going to pose a question and and we'll get there from this question. So what would have more interest, a $300,000 mortgage at 5% or a $5,000 line of credit at 7%? What would you be charged more interest on? Oh, God. Uh,
0: The the
1: $5,000? No, the mortgage. It would be far more because you'd have
0: $300,000.
1: Does the time. Yep. So 300,000, that huge balance at 5% might be $15,000 a year, right? Is how much you would Uh be charged on it. Mm -hmm. But if you borrowed $5,000 and it was at 7%, but you only held the $5,000 for maybe a month or two, you would be charged right around maybe $200 in interest total. So what if you dropped five grand, and I'm oversimplifying this a little bit, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. T. What if you drop five grand from your line of credit against the mortgage, bringing the balance of the mortgage down to 295, all of a sudden the interest on that goes down considerably and you've accelerated the amortization table on your mortgage. So instead of 360 payments, maybe you're only doing 340 payments. So you skipped a year and a half of payments by dropping five grand one time mm-hmm. on your mortgage. And, and that's, that's where with, we start saying, saving massive amounts over time.
0: And that's because we're using that line of credit.
1: That's exactly right.
0: So it looks like we're paying down our mortgage faster.
1: That's exactly right. Yep. Got it. And, and so this is what I always ask people, would you be willing, if I gave you a hundred dollar bill and you were going to use that strategically to pay off maybe a, a credit card debt or some other debt, right? So if I gave you a hundred dollar bill and it cost you $5 in interest to borrow that, Mm -hmm. would you pay $5 in interest to borrow a hundred if you knew that you would save $2,000 on the back end? Yes. All day, right? Yeah. And that's exactly what we're doing again and again and again using the shred method. So (sighs) it requires a little bit of rewiring your brain about how money flows through your household. Right. But once you do it, what you realize is the money that just sits idly in a checking account, as an example, mm-hmm. it does, you no good. And, and, and I would ask you this as like an analogy or a metaphor. If you, if you left your house in the morning at eight o'clock and drove to the grocery store, came back to the house right afterwards, but knowing you had to go to the post office at 4. PM, would you leave your car idling in the driveway all day?
0: No, waste gas. Gas yeah, is a hundred dollars an hour right yeah, now. Yeah,
1: <laughs> right, right. So gas, hard on the engine, hard on the environment. Yeah. Someone might steal your ride. You know, I mean, right. all these things come up, right? But that's what people do with their paychecks. They get their paycheck, it goes in their checking account, and then it sits there and idles for days, yeah. and sometimes weeks, and sometimes months. For some people, years. It just idles there all the while they're being charged massive amounts of compound interest or amortized interest on things like credit cards and car loans, student loans, and and mortgages. So we're just teaching people how to play the banker's game uh, that instead of us being the compound interest vehicle, let's use the vehicles that are, you know, that are available to us to win the game that we're playing against the bank.
0: Wow. Okay. So what's the first step? For those who are listening that have a mortgage, what is the first step?
1: Yep. What I would do is I would tell people one thing. Number one, this does require some consistency and some commitment. So, um, and I would add discipline to that. So if you have more, more month at the end of your money, Mm
0: -hmm. this is
1: not for you, you know, Mm -hmm. but if you have more money at the end of your month and we're talking a hundred, 200, 500, 2000, whatever number it is, you have a hundred to $200 a month you'll see real results in blasting away your debt. So the first step would be figure out how much equity do you have in your home right now? Mm-hmm. So if you pay just for raw numbers, if you paid a hundred thousand dollars for your house, wouldn't that be amazing? And, mm-hmm. and, uh, and you put 20% down on the property when you bought it, then you should have 20% equity in that property. Mm-hmm. And, more often than not, you could go to a lender and ask for $10,000 or 10% of that equity in a home equity line of credit, which just says, okay, you have this open checking account that has $10,000 basically available to you. We're going to charge you interest if you use it. And then you just start funneling your income through that home equity line of credit and trusting the software to tell you where to send that money to
0: knock it down. Wow. And you have, what, what is it that you offer to help people on this particular journey?
1: Yeah. Like you, we started with a course. Mm-hmm. The course was basically, here's how you understand the math, the kind of the who, what, where, and why of all this, who, who needs to be involved? Where does the money come from? Where does it go? Why does it even work? You know, all these things. And so we created the course. The course then has a piece of software attached to mm-hmm. it And the software is really what, it's what we call a behavior modification tool. So our goal with the software is to get people rewired on how they're seeing money flow through their system. And, um, and the software, you know, once you plug in all your details, your, your income, your expenses, your debts, what you're putting away for savings, all those kinds of things, then the software kicks out on a day-by-day, week-by-week basis, Hey, send It may just say, send this payment to a debt or what it'll do when it really starts rolling is it'll say, send $1,783 and 82 cents to your mortgage on this very date. And then 10 days later, it may say, send $423 and 17 cents to the mortgage as a lump sum payment. And then month over month, you just start seeing your mortgage balance dwindle, drop precipitously. Wow. Um, and you know, you're saving tens of thousands of dollars at that point.
0: Okay. And so if a person were to start this yeah. and let's say they bought a house in 2020, like we all did. Yep. Yep. <laughs> right. Um, how what's on average, how long are you seeing your clients be able to pay off their mortgages?
1: Yeah. Well, in your particular case, cause you mentioned cars, having cars, but no car payments. And I know you To not have any credit card debt because you're paying Mm -hmm. that off every month, Mm -mm. you could probably knock your mortgage out in three to five years. Wow! And it would save you, um, you know, for for every the the rule of thumb basically is for every one dollar you borrow, you're probably going to pay back close to two. Mm -hmm. Particularly now, where interest rates are at you know seven percent, you probably Mm -hmm. got in when it was three or three and a half percent. Yeah, we Mm did. But even at four percent, you're still going to save. You know, on a and I'm using raw numbers here. they're not yours, but on a couple hundred thousand dollars, you're gonna save probably around one fifty in wow. interest on that. If we're talking five hundred thousand dollars, you're gonna save more like four hundred you know four to today's interest rates. you might save more like half a million to six hundred thousand dollars in interest
0: that is incredible That's i incredible. i have to I have to know more because yeah. we have to get this house paid off, <laughs>
1: yeah. this will blow your mind, tedra it, it literally when I started using it, I, I found, I found the theory, the, the, the model that this is based on, and it's called an Australian mortgage because in Australia, there was a bank there that offered what they called a sweep account. And the sweep account was basically like a home equity line. So your money would go into the sweep account. You'd pay all your bills out of the sweep account. There'd be a little extra there for you to put towards your mortgage. And then your income would come in, and the sweep account would go back down to a you know a modest number, and so Australians by and large own you know the majority of them own their home outright. Well, it never really caught on in America for whatever reason, probably because the the Wells Fargo's of the world are way too powerful, you know. And um, when I started using it in 2010. And my wife and I, we paid off a $250,000 mortgage in 3.6 years. Wow. And in the midst of that, we saved about 180 grand in interest. We were mortgage-free for about nine or 10 months. Interest rates dropped into the twos. And I was like, well, this is crazy. Let's borrow a couple hundred thousand dollars against our house and drop those into investments. And so we did that and then just began shredding again. And we knocked out our $200,000 mortgage in about 2.5 years. So it's amazing how fast, once you know the system, how fast you can be out of debt. And what's even better is your monthly expenses just keep getting less and less and less. Mm -hmm. So imagine, you know, uh, financial freedom is that much closer to you when your income doesn't need to be much more than your your minimal monthly expenses to, to live a comfortable lifestyle every month.
0: Wow. Okay. Wow. Okay. So do you have a book? have you put this in a book yet?
1: There is a book out there that describes it. It's, um, mm-hmm. candidly, I need to, I need to create a book that is strictly for the shred method. Yeah. The book that describes it is called the build a bigger life manifesto. Okay. And it's all about kind of my journey to building a bigger life with my family. And I, I maintain that people build a bigger lifestyle. They don't build a bigger life. Mm -hmm. And the lifestyle choices are the, the cars and the clothes and the home and the vacations and all that. And unfortunately, when we build a really big lifestyle, we start to payment ourselves into a corner. Mm -hmm. So imagine if the six cars you had all had payments on them and the house payment was high and there's credit card debt. There are people who live like that. Yeah. And their life is very small because their lifestyle is so stinking big. Yeah. And I wanted to do the exact opposite. I wanted to have a really big life and a small ish lifestyle. Now we have, we take great vacations. We live in a beautiful home. My wife and I drive nice cars, you know, but everything's paid for. Yeah. And when you, when you do that, um, life's just easier. It is. And so the build a bigger life manifesto is the book available on Amazon. And we're working on what the next iteration of the book is all about the shred method.
0: Awesome. I will put that down in the show notes for the people. Okay. So let's talk about. Well, let's talk to the person who doesn't have a mortgage. Yeah. Let's talk to the person who is struggling with their credit. Yep. They're living check to check. Okay. They're trying to figure out how the hell do I pay for food and feed my children with inflation being what it is? Yes. And the US being in a recession. Yep. Talk to that person. How can they get out of this mountain of debt and start to build wealth for their families?
1: Yeah. This is such a good question because, you know, if you find yourself in this this situation, and and I know this because I I'd been in this, my sister was in this. Um, and I think we just we made, we had both made, you know, choices that impacted us negatively early on. So I understand it. Um The challenge is that if you're living on borrowed money, right? So you're making this much and life costs this much, right? A little bit more then what we may be doing is either leveraging credit cards, right? Which is a way to inflate our income, right? We're spending Mm -hmm. money we don't have, Mm -hmm. or maybe we're using a payday lender because we need an extra three to 500 bucks early. Um, you know, if you're doing those things, one of the things I really, really want to urge you to do is to stop using the means that are keeping you deeper in debt. Mm
0: -hmm. So
1: a great example is payday lending. Um, You know, payday lenders are charging typically somewhere in the neighborhood of 30% per month Mm -hmm. on their borrowed money. That's 360 or four, it could be up to 400% a year on borrowed money. And it's nearly impossible to get out of that cycle if you're deep into it. Yeah. So one of the things we need to do is figure out, can you go to a credit union, to a, a, an organization, some uh, somewhere that will help you get on your feet financially and get out of that payday lending cycle? And I'll tell you right now, Tidra, I do a lot of work with credit unions. I'm on the Iowa Credit Union Foundation Board we would bend over backwards to help someone get out of that scenario. So don't be afraid. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be bashful about going to an organization like a credit union and just say, I I just need help. Can someone help me? Mm -hmm. Um, A credit union foundation is another one. If you've got a statewide foundation. So that's step one. Um, Step two is really investigate. What is your money? What are your money stories? And the reason I say this, Tidra, is what what my experience has been with people that I've coached is they will fill in whatever insecurity they had around money first, if they have any. So if there was food insecurity, they'll stock their shelves uh, before they ever pay off debt Mm because they had food insecurity and they didn't like the way it felt to, to not have food. If they had housing insecurity, they might pay ahead the landlord a month or a month and a half. And when you do that, what you're doing is you're, you're limiting maybe your ability to get ahead in other areas because that fear is there. And it's like, well, I don't want to, I don't ever want to feel like I felt when I didn't have any food. So I'm going to stock my shelves. And maybe there's some pride there too, that doesn't allow you to go to a, a food pantry or to stock it elsewhere. And candidly, my take is we should never be so proud that we, Go without, you know, when there when there are lots of organizations out there willing to support us, and I think that everyone's financial situation is a little bit different, Mm -hmm. but we're all we're all fixable, if you will. Not that any of us are broken, Mm -hmm. but the the challenge that we have it's solvable, and we just have to figure out how do we solve for that challenge. So they're going to be baby steps. Maybe you need some coaching, and again, I would say go to a credit union and just say I need someone's help getting on my feet financially? Can someone just guide me and, and, you know, shape my decision making a little bit differently?
0: Yeah. Now, if a person, let's say a person has maybe an additional $500 a month, Yep. okay, free and clear. Um, And we know putting that money into a savings account is again, idle. Okay. It's just sitting there. It's not growing. The interest rate is 0.000000%. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So what would you say, what would you tell them to do? How would they invest that? Or what should they do with that to, to help build some wealth?
1: Yeah. So this is a great question because, um, number one, if somebody has got 500 extra a month, my hope would be that they've squirreled some of that away in an emergency fund. They've got A thousand, two thousand, five thousand bucks sitting on the sidelines somewhere, and that's purely in case of an emergency. Mm -hmm. Um, The extra five hundred, and this this almost becomes a question of how entrepreneurial is someone versus how passive do they want to be on the money. Because I have told my kids, if you have fifty extra dollars, then we're going to go. I'm going to teach you how to turn fifty into a hundred. And the way we do that is we'd go to a garage sale and we'd pick up a. you know, a $50 item for 20 or 30, maybe two of them. And then we'd go clean them up, write a flowery description, repost it yeah. on Craigslist or Facebook marketplace and double our money just like that. That mm-hmm. doesn't go for everybody. Not everyone wants to do that. But I will tell you that I met a young lady who was a, a student at Southern Illinois University, not too long ago. And she came up to me afterwards, young African-American gal that was just she was as confident as, as you can imagine Tidra. And she said, I was never like this, but she goes, I figured something out. I said, what'd you figure out? She said, I was going to all these small suburbs, but like more affluent suburbs around my neighborhood. And I would go to their Goodwill and their Plato's closet and whatever Mm -hmm. their resale shops were. And I was looking for Hunter rain boots and Gucci t-shirts. And she said, I started reselling them all on Poshmark. And this young lady made $30,000 as a sophomore in high school, in college, sophomore in college. Made in what time frame? In a year, a year's time. Wow. She made, she made on average two to three grand a month selling Hunter rain boots and Gucci t-shirts.
0: Wow. And you have people, that's their salary. Right? <laughs> that's their totally. salary. Totally. Wow. Yeah. So I'm very I'm entrepreneurial because my mom was, Yeah. Um, but just in a different way. So I'm always looking for ways to make money to yeah. earn. Right. And I'm getting to a place where I, I understand the importance of teaching my children yep. because I don't want to leave this earth in my kid now they have their father who is amazing like if y'all two would talk i would just want to sit back and be a fly on the wall because i love it he is incredibly financially intelligent yeah like he is someone who had horrible credit you know when he was mm. younger um didn't have a pot a window you know yeah yep, yep. credit was in the toilet and he yes. rebuilt, but he studied Dave Ramsey. Yeah,
1: yeah. And went
0: by a lot of his principles. Sure. And so he truly believes in a debt free lifestyle and all yep. of the things. So I know y'all would have a blast having a conversation. It. I can't wait to meet him. Right. So yeah. um, I, he's not an entrepreneur at all. He's all okay. about let's be debt free, let's save up the money and then buy the thing. You yep. know what I mean? That's how he yep. is. Yep. Love it. I'm the total opposite. <laughs> <laughs> You know, because I live in La La Land and I'm like, look, I can manifest this quicker than you can say for it. Trust me, I can't, you know? So, but for me, I look at everything as an opportunity to earn money. Yeah. And so for my children, one of my daughters, uh, they just, I have twins, I have six children, but the twins just turned 13 and my daughter <clears throat> she can draw like these anime looking characters like mm. no other and I said well girlfriend draw about 30 pages of that and we're going to create yeah. a coloring book and we're going to put that bad boy on Amazon and I you'll start it. to build some money earn some money that way you know yes. in 20 almost 2023 I say if you're broke it's your fault yeah and and that's harsh and I'm very blunt but there's so many different ways to make money. Just like you told the story about the young lady buying resale items, yeah, or used items and reselling. That's like incredible. It, That's incredible. I hear these
1: stories all the time too, Tidra, and and you know it's amazing. I totally agree with you, and it is harsh, but yeah. I also think that some people need a really, you know, swift kick in the pants in the ass, or yeah. smack upside the head or something, <laughs> and say, "Yo, your your life is." perfectly engineered for the results you're currently getting
0: yeah. so if
1: someone says i'm not making any money well your life is perfectly engineered for that yeah. and again this is harsh and maybe may just the way that i see the world but when i in our in our community we don't have a lot of homeless but there are some homeless folks and typically they tend to be veterans and but they're out on on uh street corners and and at stoplights and and they're asking for extra change or extra money And my thought is put a Venmo account on your sign. Someone may actually send you money in their car. Yeah. But I I think a lot of people are like, I'm not, I don't know that it's safe to just hand money outside the window. Yeah. And there is, so, and I don't say that to denigrate anyone who's doing that, but it's more like times have changed and we have to change the way we think about how we're making money, how we're investing money. There are folks that are, that are starting YouTube channels with rainfall sounds and an image of of a of a rainforest that are making millions of dollars yes, a year. They are with kids just clicking on that listen to the rainfall while they study. They uh, are any of us can do that. Yeah. Well, why are we not? You know?
0: Yeah. I know I love the fireplace one. Yes. The crackling fireplace. Crackling I play fireplace. that all the totally. time. Totally. And I swear to God, I, I get warmth from it. <laughs>
1: And someone's making money every time yes. you do that. Cause the pre-roll ad goes and they make their three cents or whatever it mm-hmm. is, but you get a few million people doing that every month. That's a
0: good check. Somebody's making. Yeah. You're on your phone anyway. Yeah. So you might as well be making money. And I tell my tribe all the time, I'm not on social media to be social. Mm. I'm just Come not, on. you Come know, on. If you are on social media scrolling and wasting time and you're still complaining about that you can't pay your bills, something is wrong there. No doubt. Change the way you use the tool, right? Yeah. 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 As I tell people all the time, we love to share. We all share glasses, what I got on. Yeah, yeah. Put an affiliate link with that. You know what I mean? If a person says, hey, girl, where would you get that? I'm going to send you a link. Yeah. I'll send you go to the link (laughs) in my bio It's there. You know what I'm saying? Like there's so many different ways. They're not having to pay more because they're clicking on your affiliate link. Right. But we get to close that gap. You know what I mean? And there's some, there's just so many ways to, to make money. I think people are just lazy and people want to be victims. I would agree with that.
1: And I would add to it that, I think some of it is the mental story we tell ourselves. Yeah. So as an example, I have a very close friend who she, she experienced a divorce early on when she was a young, a young child. Um, Her mom went to the post office box or the mailbox every Friday, looking for a child support check that never came. And she would cuss her dad, her ex-husband up and down the block. And she's, she got, she came to the realization that she didn't like money, that the emotions right. she had around money weren't helpful. Yeah, And so she was good at making it. She was very talented, but she would avoid paying bills. She would avoid in- investing. She would avoid anything related to money to the extent that like her credit was shot, um, mm-hmm. you know, didn't have enough in investments for retirement. And when we started digging into it and, and I said, you know, you got to repair the relationship you have with money. Because it is your natural birthright to be abundant, but your energy is saying, I want to avoid it at all costs. So the universe responds in kind. It says, okay, if you don't want it, I'm going to push it away. Mm -hmm. And I think people do this. They go, I want to be a multimillionaire, but deep down they have a, a profound distrust for rich people, or they have a profound, they, they have, they think that, you know, it takes greed and whatever else to, to be that way. So they don't want to be that way. They do, but they don't mm-hmm. and so, as a result they're they're not wanting to be that way takes over, and they just don't take action
0: yeah, that that's so true. People's money stories, and the the things that we heard when we were growing up, the things that we saw yeah. when we were growing up, I don't think people really understand how much of a role that plays yes. <clears throat> with their money. And I've heard people say, you know, we we talk about being filthy rich and what else have we heard? Um, You know, oh, they shouldn't spend that much money on a, okay, I'll give you an example. I was just scrolling on TikTok today and there was a, we Black people, we are really hard on each other for whatever Mm -hmm. reason. I, I mean, I can go into it, but that's a whole nother episode. But there was a young lady who was sharing the fact that she had pur- purchased a Porsche. Mm. And oh, my God, that panorama roof. I was just all I was here for it. But there were so many people in the comments it. talking about, do you know what you could have did with that money? Yeah, You yeah, could have yeah. fed people. People are starving. Yeah, People are hungry. People are homeless. And you're out here having the audacity to spend right. the money that you work for or yeah. something that you pay for. Like it was just mind blowing, but that mindset and that energy is just repelling it. You will never be able to afford yeah. a Porsche. Yep. If that's the energy that you put out, like yep. it's, it's, it's crazy to me. I would never say to somebody, Oh, well you, that's just your brokenness talking. That's what I say.
1: Yes.
0: <laughs> like, because yes. if you could afford it, you would have it too. Yeah. You know, like it, that it, mindset, it, man.
1: Oh, it's, it's hard, isn't it? I mean, the, and the idea that you should have that, Imagine what you could have done with that money. Yeah. It it's presupposes that that person didn't already give away a Porsche worth of food right. to someone, right. 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 Or, or help their family through a, a tough economic time or whatever. So yeah, there's so many assumptions made around that. I agree. Um, yeah. Interesting.
0: Yeah. It's, it's horrible. Um, But, you know, I said, you know, just mind your business mind the business that pays you. And if you shift your energy, which I had to do back in the day, I was so negative. I was so negative. I was the victim. If you told me the sky was blue and crystal clear and beautiful, I would say, but it's hot as hell. You know what I mean? I would find something negative to say. Yes. And I always tell this story. My children and I, we were standing on the outside of my car, and I don't remember what the conversation was, but I do remember that my daughter said, why are you always a negative Nancy? Mm. It was something that I said, and that stuck. I was like, I couldn't even say anything. I couldn't even be mad because she was right.
1: Out of the mouths of babes. What I
0: learned was my negativity caused my depression. like it manifested depression totally Totally. and then the suicidal thoughts and and the attempts at suicide all it just kind of snowballed because I had this horrible view on life yeah
1: yeah and
0: I just felt like my life would it sucked all this time so it's just going to continue to suck you know what I mean not knowing that I was the reason it sucked yeah and that my my voice the things that I spoke I created
1: you were speaking into existence. Yeah, in I spoke things. it into yeah.
0: In, yeah. into existence. And so um, I remember sitting in our one and a half bedroom apartment with five children. Five. My oldest, she was in college at this time. Yeah. And, um, you know, it was so small. I could see from my bed. I could see into the living room and all of my kids were in there. They were much smaller and playing and whatever. But our apartment was, was roach infested. It's very cheap. It was $578. I will never forget. Wow. And I was, I had a hard time. I was always late paying it because I had no yeah. income. Right. And you know, I said that thing that everybody says, Lord, if you can get me out of this, <laughs> yes, I will never come back to this, but that started the beginning of my self-development journey mm. is because I would look at other people on social and on TV and I would hear people tell their stories about how they made a million million dollars a day in a day yeah. in their business. But right. why am I not doing that? Yep. You know what I mean? If it I know it's possible yep. because other people are doing it, but what's wrong with me? And that's yeah. where my my entire journey began.
1: So interesting. Yeah. It's one of the things that that came up for me, Tiedra, while you were describing that is a statement that my mentor makes all the time. He'll say that. That, that our eyes only see and our ears only hear what our mind is looking for, yeah. right? So what it's open to. So that, that whole idea that if, if you, what you saw was all the negatives around your situation, then you're, you're gonna keep noticing more and more negative. It's gonna mm-hmm. take you down that path. Mm-hmm. But if you're open to the wonders of what is possible and I'm gonna see what's possible and there are people out there making a million dollars a day in their business, I wanna know how I can do that now all of, a start, all of a sudden you start to pick up on those things that are happening around you that allow you to do that. And I think this is a, could be a huge takeaway for your audience that if the goal is to be out of debt, to to you know create financial freedom for yourself and your family and all that, is that what if you decided you were just gonna start noticing all the people who are doing that and that where there was affluence or where there was freedom, people looking like they had freedom, just, just a, be, be grateful that they're out there and you're seeing them and they're a good lesson for you. And, and B start asking, Hey, how, how'd you do this? I want to learn how to do this. Yeah. Um. And the lessons will come because you're starting to manifest that anyway.
0: So one of the biggest things that I really love to tell people, yeah, see, most people are in the or living the lives that they're living because of their environment.
1: Yep.
0: Okay. And you don't know what you don't know. Right. You don't know what you've never been exposed to. Yep. So I tell people exposure causes expansion. Mm. And once you've been exposed to a thing, it's really hard to go back. Yeah. Once you've driven a luxury car, they, they just hit different. Like the sound, when the windows are up, it's just quieter. The leather is softer. The engine is quieter. Once you've been exposed to that, you don't really want to go back to the cloth seats and you got to crank the windows, which you, you know what I mean? Cause you've been exposed to it. Right. And so my, my words for 2023 are exposure and experience. Mm. And even though I've been exposed to a lot, I want to be exposed to more because the environments that I've been in helped to create the income that I have had. Right. And so I feel like I've hit the ceiling. Right. Right. Because I haven't been exposed to multimillionaires slash billionaires yet. Yeah. So it's all about exposure for me in 2023. Oh but I, I I, want for people to take that away from this episode
1: yeah. is
0: if you feel like, oh, well, I don't know any millionaires. I don't know what it feels like to do X, Y, and Z. Start going where affluent people are. Start going, save up your coins and go to a really nice restaurant where you know that they hang out. Go join the most expensive gym in the area. Because you know they're gonna be there, like once you've been exposed, it it makes you think differently, right? And yeah. it makes you become more creative as well. So exposure, yeah. get out of your environment because it's just gonna keep you right where you are. If your circle of influence, everybody's struggling, yep. everybody has these low vibrational conversations. It's yeah. time to get away from that, right? And get around people who are talking about elevating their lives, making more money, building wealth. It's important. It's important.
1: Exposure leads to expansion. That's my takeaway from this.
0: Yes. Yes. So before we let you go, what um, would you, what would you want to leave a person with Um, the person who is wanting to build, who is wanting to change their money story? What would be the thing that you would say?
1: Everyone's looking for a silver bullet. You know, everyone wants to know what's the one secret, what's the answer, how do I get from you know, from zero to hero? And mm-hmm. I, the the hard reality is that it does take some time, and that if you're willing to put in the reps, your life's going to get easier. And um, you know, I tell my kids all the time that when you make hard choices, life gets easier, and when you make mm-hmm. easy choices, life gets harder. So an easy choice Mm -hmm. is overspend and use your credit card and I want it. So I'm going to buy it. Those are easy choices, but life gets hard when you do that. Yeah. And when you make hard choices, like it's not in my budget. So I'm, I'm going to hold off on that. I'm going to put money away or pay down debt or build my credit or whatever I need to do in order to get where I want to go. But it's going to take me six months or nine months. It takes dedication and discipline and all of that. But here's, here's the thing that my wife and I, what, what got us to where we are financially was we kept reminding ourselves, if you do for two years, what most people won't do, you can do for the rest of your life, what most people can't do. Mm. And two years goes by in the blink of an eye, you know, 24 yeah. months is not yeah. a long time in most people's lives. And yet, if you're willing to put in the discipline and to do the things and, and you know, put in the reps to use that yeah. analogy for 24 months your life can be radically different in two years' time, radically. We, there are people, Evan Spiegel started Snapchat as like a 15-year-old kid and was worth a billion dollars by the time he was 19. That's four years, you know? I mean, this is, it, it, success is not, it's not immediate. And so if you're willing to put in the reps and follow people like you, Tidra, who are, who are sharing awesome nuggets of wisdom with people, Let this be the the class you need to keep going, coming back to and getting motivation. But you're getting there. Just keep putting one foot in front of the other. Do for two years what most people won't do. You'll be able to do for the rest of your life what most people can't do.
0: I love that. And I want to go back really quickly to you saying, uh, you mentioned the word decision. They have to decide, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And I love to break down the word decide. Okay, so when we look at the end of side, right, we think of suicide, homicide, insecticide. So when you decide to do something, you have to cut something off. Something has to die. Some part of you has to die in order for you to get to where you're trying to go. Some habits, some habits need to die. Right. Yes. You have to decide. And that's what most people don't want to do. They want to have one foot over here and one foot over there but they right. don't want to make a decision. So that something has awesome. to die. So I want for everybody listening to decide and write down what is going to die. What do I have to kill off? What part of me is no longer serving me Yeah, because there's a part of you that's holding you back. Totally. Right. Totally. Yeah.
1: You know, real, can I touch on that really quick? Absolutely. So I, I had a, I had a uh, health scare earlier this last year. And and it wasn't really a scare so much. It was like, I was noticing weird things going on in my chest and my heart felt like it was pounding out of my chest. And I just decided that I was going to work out. And I, I, you know, I'd been, not that I was a lazy guy, but I just didn't, you know, I didn't apply myself. I didn't push myself. I didn't do any of that. And I got involved with a group of, of guys who work out every single morning, six days a week. We work out at five 15 in the morning. It's always outside always so this morning it was snowing it was 32 degrees and we're out there in the snow doing a workout and the 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 decision that what i had to decide or what i killed off was me being lazy in the morning me yeah. not, me sleeping in me being comfortable in my cozy bed next to my cozy wife like that goes away and here's what i'll tell you i have not had a better year business wise than That's this okay. year and I put it squarely on the shoulders of the fact that I get up at 4.30, I'm working out at 5.15, I'm back by 6.15, I'm in the shower, I'm getting started by 7. And every day I'm just, it's a regimented routine, but I had to decide that I wasn't going to do the other thing. Yeah, you know, I wasn't going to sleep in, hit snooze and not have my day planned and all those things. There are little things that people, I think your listeners can do that will change their entire world, but they're small, they're hard to do, but you've got to decide going back to your comment. I think that's so astute.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. So what do you have a routine? I've studied highly successful people. Like I said, yeah. back in the day when I was broke and I couldn't even afford to pay attention. All I could yeah. do is study people and read. Yeah. And what I learned is that they all have Ironclad morning routines. What yeah. would you what is yours aside from working out? Yeah, my
1: um before I started this group, my routine was I would typically get up at 5:30. I would do 30 to 40 minutes of exercise. And it was easy. I'd do yoga or run on a treadmill or whatever. Um, we have a sauna in our home. Uh, we refinished mm. our basement and put a sauna in the house. And I love 25 minutes in the sauna. I meditate, think about my day. How do I want things to go? I would create the end of the day all the way back to to the moment I was sitting there, basically manifesting what I wanted to happen. I would get out of the sauna, take a cold shower, cold shower every morning, um, write down my list of things. Once I got ready, what do I need to get done before 11 o'clock? And I would do all the, the heaviest lifting, hardest items first. And then the rest of the day would be meetings and calls and, you know, reading, hanging out with my family. Um, But every day was the same. Those first two to three to five hours were very regimented. Mm -hmm. And today it's a little bit different in that I get up at 4.30, I work out at 5.15, in the shower by 6.15, you know, dressed and ready by seven or a little before seven. And I start my first work sprint at seven and I'll do 90 minute sprints throughout the day. And I'll try, I try and get two, three, maybe four of those in, in a day. So I'm working, you know, three hours, four and a half hours or six hours a day. And the rest of the time, it's time with my family, walking my dog, you know, uh, hanging out with the kids, whatever, whatever I need to do. It's, Mm -hmm. uh, but it's very spelled out and regimented.
0: So you find that you're more productive now that you get up earlier and work out. Unbelievably. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how that works, but it definitely works, right? <laughs> <laughs> so let's leave the people with. Do you read? I do. Okay. Yeah. What is let's say what is the most impactful book that you've read this year, and and what did you learn from it? Uh, can I give two? Absolutely. So there's a book that I'm
1: sure lots of your readers or lots of your listeners have have heard about. Some have probably read. It's probably even been suggested by other uh, folks on your podcast. But the book Think and Grow Rich, I read and reread every single year.
0: I knew you were going to say that.
1: (laughs) And the reason for it is, and it goes back to decide, is you have to have definiteness of purpose when you show up every day. So, what are you definitely doing? What is your purpose for showing up? And the second book, and this is a book I reread at least twice a year, and typically I'll read it on vacation. Uh, but it's a book, you'll love this one. It's called A Happy Pocket Full of Money. A Happy Pocket Full of Money. Okay. And it's by a guy named David Cameron Jakandi. He's a, a dude from Kenya, um, but it's all about quantum physics and the idea that what we think about, we bring about. And it's, not, it's less about money and more just about you are creating your world every day. So be careful what you create. Um, yeah. And it is a mind scramble but in a good way. And I read that book twice a year, every year.
0: Listen, see, I knew we were vibing. Okay. Yes, 100%. Because I don't, I don't think I told this story here on this episode. But back in the day in 2013, when I was broke yeah. and looking at my kids from my bed, um, there was a book. I was scrolling on Instagram and there was a book that showed up and it was Thinking Grow Rich. Mm. And, um, I was so broke, but I went on Amazon and I was able to afford this book that was three ninety nine, dollars 99 dollars with tax, and I still have the book. I wow. bought the book. That book changed my life. And I call it my Bible, and I have five copies of it to this day. I love it. And the reason I say that it changed my life is because it, it was in that book. Now, I was very religious growing up. Yeah. Eight days a week at church twice on Sunday. Right. Very religious. But I was so broke and so broken and Mm. I still wasn't able to figure it out. And I didn't like the fact that they said that struggle was righteous. It just (sighs) it you know, it just wasn't making sense anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So I got this book and I call this book my Bible. But this book taught me that I had the power to co-create my life. Mm. I had to make a decision and I had to be very focused on that decision. Yeah. And that book I read multiple times a year. And so many people say, oh, yeah, I had that book. I've read that book, but they're still broke. You didn't yeah. read the book. You didn't study the book. Think of Row, which is one of those books that you have to read over and over oh, and brilliant. over because it's so much.
1: Yeah, it was now, the sixth time talked- for me, the sixth time I got it.
0: That you got it right yeah. exactly. Yeah. So he talks about a secret in the book, this thing yeah. that he wasn't going to reveal, that he was going to leave up to the reader. What did yeah. you get from it? It
1: it was it really was all about how committed are you to whatever your vision is. Um, and and I'll tell you that there was a follow up book to that one that was written in 1938 because Thinking Grow Rich was written in 1937. And it was, um, outwitting the devil is the name yeah, of I read the that that one too. book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when I read that, it is sort of brought everything into focus that what he was saying was there are drifters and there are non-drifters and the yeah. drifters can be blown off course by a strong wind, yeah. you know, and, and, <laughs> or, or social media or a TV show yep. or a movie in the afternoon or whatever. Right. But the non-drifters, they know exactly where they're headed. They're locked in. They're on the path. There is no stopping them. And that was my takeaway was if the vision is clear enough and you are focused on that vision, you have definiteness of purpose. It's yours. It's as good as yours.
0: Yeah. We're going to have to have you back on because I've had you well over the time. I'm sorry. (laughs) No,
1: I love it. I love this chat, Cedar. And I think what you're doing is awesome. Um, I'm a huge fan already. And, and uh, the, you know, the knowledge bombs you're dropping on people. I hope they land and they go off big time for folks, because what you're talking about is life changing stuff. I mean, altering the course of your family future forever kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, I would love to have you back on for like a part two and uh, we'll have to talk offline, but I am creating a course. It's called Conscious Creator. I don't even want to call it a course. It's like a huge-ass program, right? Yeah. And it covers mindset and then money love and it. investing and managing money because we can make all the money in the world, but if we don't know how to manage it, we're still SOL, right? Yeah, so yeah. I would love to talk offline to see how we can get you to teach a class for their course. that course. Love that it. would be amazing. So, much so do you have any last words for the people?
1: If if any of this stuff resonates with you and you're interested in more, uh, the is the best place to go to learn about that.
0: Mm-hmm. I have
1: a podcast called the Build a Bigger Life podcast and oh, happy to go, you know, please go listen to that. There's about 180 episodes out there online. Um, we took a hiatus in 21 and 22, but we're coming back in 23. And, um, you know, I just, I, I want to celebrate the folks who are listening to you because they obviously want to make some adjustments, some alterations to their life and just stick with it, do it one step at a time, but you'll notice in short order, your life is going to change big time.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Adam, for joining us. Um, I'll shoot you an email. We'll have to keep the conversation going and see how we, we can work together in the future. Okay. Wonderful. Can't wait. I am so sorry for keeping you like what 20, 30 minutes over. All good.
1: All good, Deidre. I love it. It's a good
0: combo. All right. Thank you so much for joining and we'll talk soon. Okay. Wonderful. All right. Bye.